Have you been to Express lately? People can't get enough of their clothes. They're like insta-confidence boosters. The jeans come in a temp-control fabric that keeps you comfortable no matter the weather. And the t-shirts, hands down, they'll feel like they're made of the softest fabric you've ever worn. And get this, the suits have stretch and look sharp. Like, what? How do they do that? Everyone's raving about the newest looks from Express. Just check out the five-star reviews. See for yourself and shop the latest at Express.com and in stores. Hello and welcome to another episode of the GC Sunscast, the longest running Gold Coast Sun show on the interwebs. I'm your host Shane and that's all thanks to our Patreon sponsors Dale Snelling, Paul Vosti, Robbie Fiorini, Brody Burgess, Kate Kelland, Tom Kim, Chris Moore and Tim. Thanks so much to our Patreon sponsors. You can join them over at patreon.com forward slash GC Sunscast. And if you can't afford any spare dollars to toss our way, that's okay. Head on over to YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Spotify, wherever you like to get your podcast from. Like, subscribe and review to help support the show and let others know about our little Gold Coast Suns community. Well, let's get on to today's show. And I'd like to welcome back. This is incredibly rare. We haven't done this for a few years, but... um, Welcome back to the show, Paul Vosti. You're on last week, and uh, you get a second run at it. How's it going? Yeah, good, Shane. Yeah, very happy. Back-to-back wins. Uh, it was a, a great day at the MCG on, on uh, Saturday. Yeah, I bet. It would have been something fascinating. Um, one of the things that was most amazing, I thought, from that game was this little bit of audio here. Ready, go, go. <laughs> oh, tell you what. what about his qualities as a footy player? The Gold Coast chant ringing around the MCG. Schweller up against the boundary. Touched on the line. So, uh, Paul, you were there. You witnessed the Gold Coast chant ring around the MCG. How did that feel? That would have been uh, almost giving you goosebumps. Yeah, it was great, Sean. I was uh, just saying to you before we uh, went live, um, you know, going to around Australia to so many of the games over the last few years and just being tragically outnumbered to be at the home of football at the MCG and basically be making more noise than uh, Collingwood was yeah it was it was awesome and um, they were they were very uh, quiet the Collingwood uh, faithful and um, the Suns were up and about and I think um, we're just seeing so much more traction we met another young fella um, Josh that's become a Gold Coast member after the game and he um, he was an Essendon supporter and he's come across and I think we're becoming very much a, uh, a second alternative to a lot of Melbourne supporters now that are starting to get disillusioned with their own clubs. But yeah, no, it was great. It was uh, there's a and the players really they could tell. They um, I know Will Power posted something on the uh, on Facebook how uh, he he could just hear he could hear the drum, he could hear the chanting, and uh, yeah, it gave the players a, a bit of a lift for sure. It's starting to become a and a really good atmosphere going to Suns games, especially down in Melbourne. Um, it seems like the crowd's really getting behind them. We've got uh, Jordan, one of the um, Suns supporters, with the drum, beating the drum every week. We've got, um, uh, yeah, the crowd's really getting involved. And that Gold Coast chant, which was almost a way at mimicking Collingwood, 
Um, it, it's really starting to become an event that Suns fans are enjoying. I suppose the winning helps, keeps the spirits high, and um, helps us outvoice our the opposition fans, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think we're becoming a community as well. Like um, it takes that takes time, and like people like Sharon Hayes does an amazing job on on online and controls a lot of the forums. Like she drove, um, she flew down for the game, and so you're starting to like you're making proper friendships through through the footy club now. People that you you didn't know three or four years ago, and now you're getting more and more familiar faces at, at all the Melbourne games, and. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a great community, and it's yeah, it's a, just a positive thing because everyone's gone through such a, a hard journey with the club, and now they're uh, they're genuinely seeing a group of um, young men that are, are just passionate about Gold Coast, and um, and with the coaching, the way they're playing footy, you can't be anything but inspired by by the group because they just play footy the right way, and um, you know it's exciting times. Yeah, it was a very mature performance. Um, let's discuss the match now. Gold Coast Suns defeated Collingwood by 24 points, 12 goals, 7.79 to 7 goals, 13.55. We had Corbett with four goals and King and Swallow were with two goals each as the multiple goal kickers. And as far as selecting a best player, it's kind of hard this week. I felt like pretty much everyone stood up and contributed, did what their role in the team was some excelled some stood out above others um but it's very hard to select some we're going to go with the obvious ones uh hugh greenwood with 26 disposals 21 contested possessions 10 tackles and 12 clearances uh to go along with a goal as well so absolute dominating there hugh greenwood in the middle uh, Brandon Ellis with 35 disposals, 97% efficiency, Paul. That is a huge uh, disposal efficiency boost for a side that traditionally hasn't been able to hit targets con- uh, enough. Uh, he also had one goal with 16 marks. And uh, Tuke Miller, 34 disposals, 13 contested possessions, 23 uncontested possessions, and 25 pressure acts. Now, uh, Tuke Miller has been all the talk, at least in the Melbourne media, off late. Uh, but us Suns fans, we've known he's been a talent from years and years ago. Uh, it seems like he's starting to exceed even our expectations. And he's he's playing like an A grader at the moment. And I dare say if he continues this form throughout the year, he'd be talked about as possibly an elite footballer. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I think with two, like he, he's been probably pigeonholed as this, uh, like a defensive tagger, um, you know, of his back battles with Zorko over the years and um, the Melbourne media not having as much exposure to the Suns games. But now they're seeing um, that he's he's a genuine um, two-way midfielder, that he's he's got amazing natural defensive ability and that run-down chase, I think, in the third quarter was... Just inspiring, but he's also um, showing how how effective he is with the footy in hand, and he's improved his kicking out of sight, and you know, he's just got such amazing endurance. So I think with the you know, Brandon Ellis and Toot Miller especially have benefited from the the rule changes and um, their gut running and ability to. I think they both ran sort of fifteen kilometres plus on the weekend, and um, yeah, they've. 
they've both been outstanding. But yeah, Toots getting the the credits he deserves, and I know you know they were talking about also um, his leadership. He was a captain or vice captain in his TAC and Victorian country thing. They're saying you know like how many of these young leaders that slipped down the draft board, and um, he's one of them that you know went went sort of forties or fifties and just oozes leadership and he'll, you know, he'll most likely probably be our next captain or, you know, the way things are going. Yeah, he's definitely got the leadership material and I think he brings up the other players around him. They all sort of rise to his level. If he's on fire, uh, everyone else sort of rises up and gets a bit of hot form themselves. A couple of other players I want to bring up as having done solid jobs on the weekend. Sam Collins, 23 disposals, 4 contested marks and 11 intercepts. He uh, took over the role that uh, someone like Charlie Ballard would normally play and he was intercepting a lot as well as keeping his man quiet. Charlie Ballard himself uh, kept Darcy Moore pretty quiet to only 5 touches. Uh, Jack Lukosius, 505 metres gained. He did his job delivering the ball forward. And uh, Jack Bowes, he was solid in defence, 30 disposals and 7 marks. So, real good effort there, showing a lot of team performance. I could go on, we had blokes like Flanders and uh, even Holman. He didn't have a huge numbers game like he did last week, but his pressure axe is way up there as we would expect from Holman. Uh, Isaac Rankin did a good job as well, despite only having the one goal. Um it, it all came together. The, the team game plan is all starting to work. We saw Corbett. He was assisted by great delivery into the forward line. And that that was helped by four goals, three in the last quarter as well. And I think you're, you're finding, like you just touched upon, the the back six or back seven, they call it, with um, you know, a rotational defender. They're, they're starting to get a lot of consistency with that group. You know, Bo's... Uh, Will Power, Charlie Ballard, Collins, um, Jai Farrow, who's come in, uh, a couple others. Uh, and what about Sean Lemons? He's He's been sensational yeah. the last two weeks. It, it and, almost feels like he's a barometer for that side. And that just shows exactly what you said in terms of, like, Collins was able to play a different role this week in intercept because Charlie Ballard and Lemons had to play pure shutdown roles on Dugowie and, and Moore. Yeah. and. Yeah, Lemons was outstanding. They were both outstanding. Like Darcy Moore was the lowest-rated player on the on the field, and he's an All-Australian. So I know there's a lot of um, controversy about whether he should be playing Sanaf uh, back instead of forward. But he he played fairly well as a forward against the Eagles a few weeks ago, and like he he didn't look like getting a touch on Charlie Ballard. And um, the same with Sean Lemons. I think um, we spoke about Sean last week about you know that his body's his body's been let him down over the years. He hasn't just been able to string enough football uh, consistently, but I know internally he's held in the highest regard because you get 100% every time Sean Lemons goes into the ball. He was he was manhandling um, Dugowie and you know giving away a lot of size, and yeah, he was he was outstanding. But it's sort of just the, that back seven now. You know, this week Bose's role might change and. Will Power might be the intercept marker because Sam Collins might have to shut down more on a Rowan Marshall or a, a, a Max King. So they're, they're just becoming interchangeable in the way they're working together as a team down there. 
uh, they're proving to be a very turning into a very good backline. Yeah, they are um, very solid down there. Jack Bowes acts as the Luke Hodge type, sort of marshalling around, but it's all shared. The roles are all shared. They swap each week whether they need to lock down or uh, attack. Uh, really positive, very flexible. It's it's a good sign to see. And uh, I think Brandon Ellis has been good for the back, back line as well in terms of that composure. So you'll see that you know, he does push back and be, will be one of those players that understands the tempo of the game. So he might go, all right, we need to just chip the footy around now, slow it down. And with his experienced head, I think that's um, that's helping as well. And then when the times come, they've got Lukosius and those boys that are prepared to take the really uh, brave kicks through the middle to um, you know, break through the zone when they need to and play play brave and play, play fast. So, you know, they seem to... They're developing really nicely. I know it's... Um, it's only two weeks, but the whole year, apart from that two weeks, of, uh, two quarters of the Bulldogs is um, being very promising, and we've got a percentage of 103, including a you know a 10 goal loss to the Bulldogs. So uh, it goes to show that winning three games, losing four, and still having a percentage of 103, we're doing quite a bit right. Yeah, definitely. Um, you, you mentioned the the ball movement out the back holding onto it what's also impressive that we've been seeing the last couple of weeks is the quick ball movement now i've been raving on the show for most of this year and probably last year as well that quick ball movement is the key for this side to work and we're seeing that they're using the ball smartly taking the kick into the corridor even when it's risky we saw uh, five minutes i think into the last quarter we were only up by three goals 21 points I think and they took a risky kick to get from the back line into the corridor and from that point it caught Collingwood off guard and they were able to basically run the ball down through the middle of the ground uh, to I think it was Greenwood in the end who took a mark and then handballed over to Corbett it's plays like that that's really impressive that they're they're not going to go down without a fight they're going to keep trying even when they're only a little bit in front because they want that win. They want to constantly be scoring, and that's only good for a a side that wants to play finals. You need to score to to win games, and to win game play finals, you need to win games. Yeah, absolutely. And I think having um, players like Markov and Lockie Weller and Lukosius, these guys that can, um, you know, Markov and Weller have got that elite breakaway speed where they're prepared to actually take the game on and, you know, with Lukosius kicking, it, it makes us hard to coach against because if we were just playing a, a slow chip controlling of the, the game, it's we don't have the, forward, the the tall forwards to probably kick that score like you're um, talking about. But when we can move, go slow and then go fast, um, you can catch catch sides off guard. So, you know, I think they're, um, I think they've really got this balance uh, right at the moment and, you know, they'll I know Stewie Dew said at, at certain stages they they were really finding it hard to penetrate Collingwood. Um, they'd structured up quite well, and you know then he was he was very impressed with some of the um, the braveness of their decision making out of the back half. Yeah, it's funny how you mentioned the the go slow to versus the the moving the ball quickly because that's essentially what Collingwood did. They went slow 
and it gave the Suns time to man up in defense, get their defense set up and intercept, uh, lock the ball down and rebound it as quickly as possible. Um, so if it's, it's sort of a taste that if the Suns were to play like that, they probably wouldn't win. They wouldn't be able to kick the score that they needed to because they're pretty similar as far as personnel as what Collingwood's got, at least in the forward end with the tall forwards. So it, it's a really good contrast to see what could have been and what was. Um, something else that really stood out in this game. Now, we've been criticising the the ruck situation. Well, I wouldn't say criticising, but haven't been so strong on it uh, over the last few weeks. Graham has not impressed, but after after watching this game, I think he sort of found his niche and found where he can hurt his opponent despite not being matched to, to attack them in the ruck. We saw Graham and Burgess go up against Grundy, who's arguably one of the best ruckmen in the competition at the moment. Um, now... Both of them had similar uh, stat sheets. Uh, Graham had the six hitouts, ten disposals, one clearance, and four marks. And Burgess had the seven hitouts, four marks, one goal, and a clearance. So they're really using their their positioning to hurt Grundy on the outside. Um, Grundy was winning the center clearances um, and the, the hitouts to advantage. But Graham would go back and use his defensive ability to really hurt the Pies. And Burgess was going forward to use his goal sensibility to hurt the Pies. Um, it was really, really good to see that sort of stuff. Um, h- how did you see the Ruck situation unfold this week? Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite interesting because I've always, unless you've got a a Napanui or a Sanderlands or one of the, you know, a Max Gorn. I've always been a big uh, believer in the, the sort of the fourth midfielder come ruck. And, you know, I saw that firsthand on Friday night with um, Nan Curvis for for Richmond. You know, he's not a outstanding tap ruckman, but he's, his grunt and bodywork around every stoppage where he'll be on the bottom of the pack, he'll be tackling, he'll just be bumping and using his, his size. And I... I think with Caleb, especially being a young young player, um, I think the midfield group are really getting around him, and they're you know with with Greenwood and and Toot and Davy Swallow, they're they're competing, and Caleb's a competitor. So I know, you know, listening to the um, the videos post game, they they're just excited about the competitive nature and. They understand, you know, we're going to lose the tap-outs more often than not, but that doesn't mean you're going to lose the stoppage. And and I think that's been proven over the last couple of weeks that we have got beaten in the tap-outs, but we're not getting beaten in the stoppages. And our second and third efforts from our mid- midfield group and having the flexibility of Caleb and uh, Burgess to be able to go back and forth, um, and we're getting... We're getting bang for our buck out of a bad situation. So, you know, we've lost our captain, but I think if we were sitting here four weeks into Jared Witts being out and going, well, you know what, this isn't as bad as we thought it would be. And it probably poses a question, you know, will Zach Smith come back into the side next week? My gut feel is they'll go unchanged and they'll keep investing time into 
you know, Caleb Graham's development. Yeah, we'll get into Smith later, but that's my gut feel too. I feel like Graham's a confidence player and he's getting more confidence every week by playing in the ruck. And as you said, having the midfield brigade get around him and support him, he's getting that confidence and becoming a player on his own right. So I think it's working well. They're going to have a challenge this week against St Kilda with uh, Paddy Ryder back in the side. But it's a similar thing. If they attack it the same way they attacked Grundy, I think they shouldn't have any problems and they shouldn't be scared of the St Kilda-Ruck combination of Marshall and Ryder. Um, Now, as far as what didn't go well for the Suns on the day against Collingwood, it was hard to sort of pick anything out. Uh, Like we said earlier, a lot of teamwork, a lot of uh, team role players in that side. The only thing I could really pick out was there was maybe a few times throughout the game I was watching it and noticed that players were out of position or not where they should have been. Um, One of the ones that stand out was Nick Dacos having a shot at goal and uh, was able to run around and hook the ball when a Suns player should should have been on the mark on that side bit there waiting for him, applying some sort of pressure. It may may not have stopped the goal, but it would have given him pressure and maybe directed the kick so that um, maybe Dacos would have rushed the kick or something. But it's it's little things like that where a Suns player needed to man the mark or stand up uh, in the marking contest and keep his head over the ball. Um, but they're, they're very little things that every football team deals with on a weekly basis. So nothing too much to complain about that. What about you, Paul? Yeah, look what was touched upon. I thought it was a it was a very rounded team performance. I thought they showed good maturity to be challenged in that third quarter. And um, you know, in the past we could have we could have lost that game, but they um, they showed the composure to just get the get the footy back on their terms. And and like I said, sort of pre uh, pre podcast, literally there was twenty two contributors. So yeah. Not if, you know you didn't you had your two or three standouts at the top end, but across the board, you know, like if you went through, like there was a lot of players that got between twenty and fifteen touches. You know, they. Were- if you've been a renter, you know it's stressful to find the perfect place. But Zillow Rentals make it easy. They have filters for pretty much everything, so you can find a rental that's big enough for entertaining your friends, but small enough they won't crash all weekend. Find your sweet spot on ZillowRentals.com. Right getting seven or eight touches. They were, they were playing their role. Um, and I think it's just showing the the way the group's developing is that, you know, they're, they're happy to play uh, the role they need on the particular particular day. And I thought they uh, I thought they coached well. They got their match-ups right. Um, and it was, a, yeah, it was a solid performance. It was a mature performance. Yeah. Um, let's move into one of my favourite sections, the state of the game, the uh, stats of the game, I like to call it. These stats of the game sort of represent where I think the Suns won it or lost it. So, plus 38 for uncontested work, uh, possessions. It shows how much of a harder work rate the Suns were putting on there to get to the next contest or get away from the next contest to, to clear up and get the ball. 
Um, plus 48 marks shows how how much the Suns controlled the ball. They played it on their terms and didn't give Collingwood the opportunity to to play the game they wanted. And plus seven tackles. Uh, when we had more possessions than uh, Collingwood, having more tackles, again, just shows how hungry the players were for the ball. The game plan's really starting to work and players have confidence uh, in how they're playing. Um, there was an article I saw today, I think it was uh, Max Lawton from Fox Footy, uh, commenting about how the Suns are copying the West Coast game plan. Now, I called this out back in round one where, with the way that we played against West Coast and it's good to see that you know my views and opinions are not completely useless. Um <laughs> But yeah, the, the Suns are playing that West Coast style of footy where you control the ball from the half-back line and move it forward, switching and uh, kicking goals that way. The Suns are number one in the competition at the moment for switching the ball uh, compared to 17th last year. So there, there's a lot of improvement in number that game one plan. As well. So it's just, again, it's... Um... Showing that they're working hard, hard enough to get into space, and they're they're taking the short kicks to main, maintain control of the footy, and then, like we've said a few times tonight already, then picking the time to go fast. And I think that, I think that's the significant change that I've seen this year compared to even last year when they played some exciting footy at certain stages at the start of last year. They they basically were either fast. They only knew one way, and that was sort of like fast turnover, and then they'd get hurt on turnover. Whereas now they, they, they just seem to be a lot more in control of when's the right time to hit the hit the go button. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it, it's very much a, their decision making's gotten better, and I've been talking about this earlier, you know, about forwards and their leading patterns. It's also about their teammates knowing whereabouts to run on the field and create that space so that um, the ball can be moved freely, whether they receive the ball on their lead or whether they open up space behind them, allowing for another teammate to get in there and, and get the get a mark and get a possession. But it's it's really good to see that, to see that work rate and see the game plan working. Uh, I mean, West Coast were a good side. They still are a good side, um, despite their injuries at the moment. Yeah, we've seen the Gold Coast Suns scoring from the defensive 50 is far higher than any other part on the ground, uh, especially in the last two weeks uh, since Wits has gone down. Uh, we're, we're not really scoring from centre clearances or the centre of the ground, and the forward pressure hasn't been as strong as what it has been in the past at certain stages. So a lot of our scoring is being generated from that back 50. And as we've discussed with Lemons, Bowes, uh, Markov, Ballard, Collins, that whole defensive 50 unit have become so solid and so flexible at the same time that uh, opposition teams are struggling to, to cope cope with the uh, the rebound that those guys can produce. Yeah, and coupled, coupled with the the defensive running of Alice 
Greenwood and Miller that can support that back six, and you know, I think that's I think that's what you're finding is that yeah, we, with the ruck situation, we yeah we might be losing, um, but because we're pushing back so hard, and we're being able to get the footy to the ground, then we're outnumbering them and then running forward. So yeah, there's a lot of positive signs, and I think also, you know, there was a incident with Ben King on the weekend where you know he. He was two against one, got the footy to ground. His second effort was elite. Then that got him out, got a handball out, so I can't remember who. Swallow he, finished up with that goal, yeah. yeah. Swallow kicked the goal. Now, again, in the past, that would probably be something that one wouldn't have been done or two wouldn't have been recognised. And now as a group, they're, they're seeing how important that style, that part of the game is. It's not just about... You know, clunking a mark. It's what what you're doing to help help your other teammates when it gets on the ground. And yeah, I thought that really typified um, how Ben took some criticism two weeks ago. And you know, since that he's come back and kicked five. And then on the weekend, he only kicked a couple, but his intent and his effort around the football was was spot on. So, and yeah. it's it's not just uh, in yeah the what you said about how the example of those second and third efforts are being more appreciated and highlighted uh that's no more evident than the the media this week taking the took miller chase and run down in Ooh. that back half late in the game against um uh, i don't know which collingwood player it was oh. lacocious finished up with the tackle but it was all because of Tuke Miller's chase and rundown to apply that pressure that his teammate was able to get on top of the opponent and lay a tackle. So yeah. those sort of one percenters like that really sort of get highlighted and encourage the rest of the team to do that. And as a football fan, they're, they're the things that you love to see. You love seeing speckies, you love seeing miraculous goals, but you also really love seeing those team-lifting work rate one percenters that really just sort of show how how the team wants to play. Well, it's 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 showing the Melbourne that like Gary Lyon and uh, Nick Del Santo were full of praise to the Suns this week. I know we don't get as much media as sometimes we'd like, but their their praise was based around our effort and that we're becoming a side of substance, not a side of just top draft picks. A side where you know keep coming back to. Greenwood, Miller and Swallow, but as the leaders, they're setting the tone for all those younger younger guys that they're seeing that you don't have to be the number one draft pick to be a good AFL footballer and they're seeing how important it is to roll the sleeves up and be a, a hard to beat footy side and I think uh, all the work that Stewie Jew and the, the board have done over the last three to four years is it's all starting to come through now in that they're seeing the way you can the way to play to win finals footy and will we make the eight this year? Who knows? Will we play finals? Who knows? But what we are starting to see as supporters, we're seeing a product that we can trust. So we're starting to go to the football now and we, we can start to trust our side that they're they, for want of a better word, they're gonna have a go. You know, and that's a good thing. It's good to go to the footy and know that you've got 22 players that are pulling the jumper on and they're going to have a red-hot go. 
Okay. Yeah. So our next four, as you mentioned, we're we're in with a shot to play finals. Um, our next four games, we come up against St Kilda at Metricon this week, Brisbane at Metricon the following week, Geelong down at GMHBA, and then uh, Hawthorne over in Darwin at TO Stadium. Then we've got the bye. So those next four games could really determine how the Suns springboard into the end of the season. Traditionally, we've struggled with the end of the season games, but you've got to have renewed confidence that this is a different side. Um, We've still got players coming back into the side. Uh, We should have a recognised Ruckman in the side by... uh, after the bye with Zach Smith. Uh, He may even come in earlier. Who knows? We've got uh, Matt Rowell, who's just taken his knee brace off after the last six weeks and is starting to progress further with his knee injury. So he should be coming back. That's going to have a huge impact to the side. We've got um, Elijah Hollands, our first-round draft pick from last year, highly touted, was even at one stage going to be the number one pick from last year's draft until he hurt his knee uh, at the start of the season. And uh, we've still got players that were recruited to be best 22 players, uh, Rory Atkins, uh, in the VFL working his way back to get some sort of um, match fitness. So there's still improvement in this side. And once we start getting some of those players back, who knows what's happening with Sam Day as well, by the way. I think that's still a TBA on his injury. But we're getting a side back that, should be able to make a run for finals if they can maintain this momentum because they'll have fresh players coming in as well. Uh, and and like you were saying last week, like the the VFL competition now having a a second tier competition that's you know the best in the country for the boys to play in, you know, and to see the attitude of Will Brody, Braden Ferrini, Darcy McPherson, Atkins, these guys, you know, they've are, haven't got opportunities in the senior side at the moment, but they've, they've gone back to play VFL footy and they're doing everything right. Like Darcy's game in particular, Will, Will was outstanding in the first half. But, you know, Darcy's had nine tackles. He's run, you know, you could tell that, hey, he wants to get back in that senior side. Um, and that's going to create pressure and you need pressure to keep everyone honest in the senior side. Like if there's pressure from below... It, it just keeps pushing performance. Yeah, exactly. And uh, well, let's touch on the score for that VFL game now. Gold Coast, 9 goals, 8.62, were defeated by Collingwood, 9 goals, 11.65. So that was only a three-point loss, a pretty good effort by the Gold Coast boys. Um, Atkins, the only multiple goal scorer with two goals, but he had 20 disposals to go with that. Um, as you mentioned, Brody had a great first half. He finished the game with 41 possessions and 10 tackles. Fiorini is just going along as he normally does. 32 touches, a goal and 8 tackles. And McPherson, 33 touches and 9 tackles. So they're all... Those are the boys that we expect to be really applying that pressure. And I think with those sort of numbers, they're certainly doing that. They're just waiting for an opportunity to get back into that senior side. Uh, The other player that we're all watching, Zach Smith, he had 13 disposals and 31 hitouts. So... I think he's doing enough, but it still seems like the coaches aren't convinced that he's ready yet for for the senior side. 
So Zach Smith probably just needs to keep working into some of that form. And from what I saw, Alex Davies probably had his best game as well. So, yeah, there's another one of our top picks. It's just, which is one of the good things too, Shane, is now you're seeing that, you know, no one's getting gifted games. You know, two to three years ago, they, they were nearly getting gifted games. It was there wasn't enough depth on the list. Any of the top ten, any, any of the top draft picks were just basically getting uh, games at the start of their careers, regardless of whether they generally deserved them. And now um, they, they're having to earn a, earn a spot, and no one in the senior sides rolling over to saying, "Oh, I don't want to play," you know, on the seniors. So. You, you're going to have to earn your spot. So it's a bit like, you know, like the Bulldogs with their number one draft pick, you know. It's round seven, they haven't, he hasn't played a game yet. So that's good for a footy club. If they've got to, you know, earn, do their apprenticeship in the twos, there's nothing wrong with that. And that that's what makes really strong football clubs. Um, so I'd like to really see these blokes in the reserves earn their spot in the senior side. And that's going to happen if... Um, if the senior side keeps winning because the only way to get into a senior side when they're winning is either injuries or to outperform them. So I'm really looking forward to seeing these guys keep pushing themselves in the reserves and uh, make a case for their selection. While we're on the reserves, um, it's just been announced that the Q Clash VFL game next week on is Thursday the... Uh, 13th? 13th, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's going to be broadcast live on Fox Footy. So yeah. you'll, you'll be able to watch the Gold Coast Suns reserves game against uh, Brisbane uh, live on Fox Footy and KO. So all of our listeners, uh, you, people in Melbourne that can't get up to Metricon to watch it, uh, there's, there's an option to finally watch the reserve side and see how some of these guys are actually going. And it'd be great if... Um be great if both uh, the Suns and Brisbane win this week and really build some momentum into a, a big Q clash. And you know, have it, having that on Thursday night, you know, if the club can market around that and build some momentum, it'd be great to get sort of fifteen, twenty thousand people at Metricon for the Q clash. Yeah, it will be. Um, and while we're talking Q clash, I want to talk about next week's show is going to be a little different to what you would come to have expected from the GC Suns cast. So next week, I've arranged for a very special Northern Exposure reunion episode. Now, I'm not sure if you're aware, but back when I started this show three, four, four years ago now, I think it was, uh, there was a little podcast floating around by Michael Fish Whiting from afl.com.au and his workmate, Andrew Hamilton, who worked over at the Courier Mail, they did a Queensland football-focused podcast every week, which not only looked at Brisbane and the Gold Coast Suns, but what was happening in the QAFL as well at the time. Um, I've managed to get those two blokes on the show, and we're going to have a bit of a reunion episode. Um, Andrew Hamilton's actually working as the media manager for the Brisbane Lions at the moment, so there will be a bit of uh, enemy ter- enemy in our territory. But um, looking forward to sort of discussing the Q Clash history and the stories behind the rivalry that a lot of us, let's be honest, a lot of us felt it was manufactured uh, in the early stages. 
and it sort of turned into a, a definitive rivalry at the moment. So we'll talk to both those guys on their experiences with the Q Clash, and then we'll talk about Queensland football. So that's going to be a really interesting episode. I probably won't do too much on the actual match report for what happened with Gold Coast and St Kilda. Um, but yeah, look forward to that. That's going to be a very special episode, at least for me. I'm really looking forward to that one. Um, Paul, so the other bit of news coming out of the week is the Gold Coast Suns have reportedly offered a three-year deal to a young Essendon ruckman called Nick Bryan. So it's supposedly three years at 400k, uh, rumoured and reported by David King on Fox Footy. Now, let me tell you a bit about Nick Bryan. He played his first game for Essendon on the weekend and did pretty well. He's a 202cm athletic ruckman. He had the fifth best vertical jump of 69cm in last year's draft, or sorry, the 2019 draft. Uh, Seventh in the running vertical jump with an 85cm jump. And he played a lot of football with uh, Matt Rowe and Noah Anderson for Vic Metro and Oakley Chargers. So now that sounds like a lot of money, but I think in the development stakes, it's probably what the Suns need to be looking at doing to get an an experienced bloke to come in and sort of take the reins for when Jared Witts is, uh, moves on. What, what are your thoughts on Nick Bryan? Yeah, well, I think... Um what we discussed previously in terms of selective recruiting now that the list profile and the way they've put the list together really we're, we're probably a key forward, a key back and definitely a ruckman short on the list. So I think you're going to find that they'll be throwing some uh, their hat, hat into, ring, in, into the ring for any of those type of players that will be um, out and about and available to get now. Um, We've spoken about Ruckman sometime. Yeah, if I uh, know that Sam Draper that Essendon uh, paid pretty good money for at a young age as well. So if you see a Ruck, I think with Ruckman, if you see a bit of green shoots for one of a different word at an early stage, you can nearly be fairly sure that they're going to develop into a, a pretty good Ruckman because if they can show something at an early age, like even with Tim English, I know he got criticised in the press a bit, you know, and he got pushed around by Brody Grundy and that, but he still showed glimpses of what you're seeing now. So, yeah, I, I, it's not surprising that the club are, um, have possibly, you know, if the rumour is true, um, made a pitch for this young kid. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised they'll make a pitch for Darcy Moore and they'll, they'll make a pitch for Max King and they'll, uh, they'll, they'll certainly... Uh, out there trying to do some strategic recruiting when the time's right because, um, you know, that's what, you know, there's obvious spots in the list that we probably, you know, just need a little bit more backup. Yeah, and I don't mind the idea. Some people might say that's a lot of money to, to pay an untried kid, but you, you've got to pay money to get players out of other clubs, uh, especially you've got to pay money to get people from Victoria up to the Gold Coast. Uh, it doesn't make sense. Like, hey, here's here's a lot of money to come up and live in a beautiful city with 
sunshine all year round and nice temperature where you don't have to worry about freezing every morning. But um, hey, that's just the, the landscape we live in. Melbourne's the heart of football and it's where all the action is. A lot of people want to be down there. But so, you don't know well whether that's a real real figure or if it's a front-ended contract. There's, there, there could be... They could be going, right, we'll pay you a little bit more in these next two to three years to get you up there. But then when our list uh, matures and you've got the Rouse and the Anderson and the Boses and the Ainsworths and everyone that are coming out of contract and turning, you know, 24, 25 years of age, we might, um, you know, need more money at that, that point in time, Ben King. So, you know, part of that, List management is obviously working out when's when's the time to underpay your salary cap when when you can go actually over the cap. Yeah, yeah, it's always a tricky situation, and I don't think anyone really knows except for those uh, dealing with the finances at the football club. All right, Paul, that is all we've got time for for today. Thank you again for joining me, and until next time, guys, go Suns. Thanks, Shane. At Giant Eagle, my perks means earning perks and dollar rewards fast. Plus, big savings down every aisle with new lower prices on thousands of items. More perks, easy savings. Now that's rewarding. Ready to launch a new career or not sure what to do after graduation? Rumkey is hiring for CDL driving trainees. We pay you to get your CDL license while working for us. Driver trainees receive $18 an hour, great benefits, and Rumkey will pay your CDL costs. Once you're a CDL driver, you can earn $1,000 to $1,300 a week and more than $10,000 in bonuses possible in your first year. Apply today and launch a lucrative career at Rumkey. Apply now at RumkeyCareers.com. Equal opportunity employer. Restrictions apply.